Again, guys, it's all about being strategic. Um, there's a psychology to saving. Uh, I don't care what title you give the account. Some people might call it my peace of mind fund, right? Meaning that, hey, look, this money here is giving me peace of mind that if something happens to my job, I'll be okay. Uh, some people might call it my FU money fund, right? So the day they can walk out on their job, whatever you decide to call it. I think it's very valuable because here's the, here's the part that I didn't say. Aside from the organization, when you give it an intended purpose, right? You're more likely to not rob from yourself, right? Because that money is already spent, if you will, for that particular goal, right? So if you have a, this is my Dubai 2021 fund, it's going to be a little harder to rob yourself. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? I.e. not staying disciplined in the other areas versus if it was just savings account 04715. Welcome to the Uncensored Show with your host, George Paul, where we share the mindset, tips, tools, strategies, and stories on how to use your money to do more of what you love and what you were called to do. Money is like gas on a road trip. Sure, you need it to get where you're going, but you're not going on a tour of gas stations. Money fuels your journey. The question is, what's yours? Live life uncensored. What is up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Uncensored Podcast. And we are live from the Uncensored Studios, also known as an Airbnb in Asheville. Not only that, I'm using the OG microphone that got me through the first 50 episodes of which at the time wasn't even the Uncensored Podcast. So this is a really OG mic because uh, when I first launched my podcast, if you're an OG listener, then you probably know that it was originally entitled uh, The Legacy and Lifestyle Show, which, I mean, honestly, in hindsight, it's a really amazing name, but decided to switch it up um, and rebranded at episode 50 under the Uncensored Podcast and um, got a new mic, got a new setup around that time and have been using it ever since. Have a bunch of cool features that I actually underutilize, uh, but that's neither here nor there. And so I was on the road, and I was like, "Man, you know, I've been committed to going live with this podcast every week." And you know, sometimes I'm ahead, and they're all batched together, and they can be posted and organized and all that good stuff. But sometimes they're not, and more often than not, these past probably say two months, I've been going at it weekly. And, you know, it's around the holidays. I could have just said, you know, the heck with it. I actually had a fairly challenging day today and all the stars were aligning for me to, you know, not make this episode. But for the value listeners who who chime in and give me feedback and let me know that the podcast is valuable, I, I wanted to make sure I showed up for you guys, even though the circumstances aren't perfect, which is a microcosm of life. Right. Things aren't always going to go according to plan, but you can still work the plan. All right, so let's get into today's episode. Today's episode is going to be uh, pretty practical in the sense that, you know, uh, as it gets towards the end of the year, a lot of people are in reflection mode, right? Like, especially 2020, my goodness. Um, a lot of us are in reflection mode, but just even traditionally and historically, it's a time for us to kind of think about how things went. Uh, what are we going to do different in next year and, and try to create a game plan? And right. And so. Uh, where I can potentially add value to you guys 
is mapping out that game plan from a financial perspective. And I wanted to give you guys a simple and practical approach to organizing your finances. And the reason why this is important is because there's actually a psychology to saving money, believe it or not. Um, you know, when you think about it, if you were to check your online banking right now, right, uh, we just entered into a new month. So let's look back at October and you look at all the transactions, right? All the times when money went out of your account. I can almost bet you that most of you listeners have anywhere between 40 to 80 transactions, right? And we only can imagine what it's going to look like as we approach Christmas. And so what happens is on a psychological level, you are conditioned to think that that's just how money works, right? Money just, hey, it comes in, it has to go out. Kind of like food, you know, <laughs> what comes in must go out, right? And that's how you're conditioned to think. Um, and so rather than trying to, trying to change your entire psyche, why don't we play to that, but do it in a way that makes sense so that you can also prioritize and organize the way that you save and invest money. And so this is a strategy that I have been using and my clients have been using for the better part of, well, really, quite frankly, the last decade. And for the folks who really lean into it, it works really well. Now, I will say that you can use whatever works for you as long as you understand the concept of why this is valuable and why it's important. So back to the point about um, you know money just coming in and going out of your account. My reason for bringing that up is because if you think about it, every time money goes out of your account is going out of your account for a very specific purpose, right? A very specific purpose, whether that's rent or your mortgage or a car payment or gas or food. Every time a transaction um, hits your bank statement, it's a very specific purpose. And so that's how money is trained to operate. That's how you're trained to manage your money. So when it comes to how you save and invest your money, you naturally need to have a specific rhyme or reason. It can't just be, oh, well, I have the rainy day fund because I was told saving money for a rainy day is a good thing. That might work for some people, but realistically, everything needs to have a hyper level of intentionality so that you can treat it the same exact way that you treat your expenses, right? So let's go through a way of how you can organize your money to create more financial success in your life, right? And before I even get into the different ways, number one, if at all possible, automate this, right? Because automation trumps delegation, and honestly, ever since 2016, I have a hard time using the word Trump for anything, uh, even though this this definition is actually accurate. But automation trumps determination. Right. What do I mean by that? What I mean is that the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Right. We all have the intent to do things. But you know, what? I, I really intended to do X, Y and Z, but you didn't do it. You didn't do it. So how can we just nullify that as it as it being an issue right by automating right so for, for my nine to five folks my w-tours you literally have no excuse right because every time you get paid that paycheck you can tell exactly where you want it to go right and with most employers they give you a pretty good amount of flexibility to say which account do you want xyz to go to right do i want um two hundred dollars to go to this account $500 to go to this account, the remaining balance to go to this account. So what you want to do is you want to look at all of your expenses, right? 
because every month you have this desired or expected amount of surplus that you should have. What happens, right? You, you don't always see that surplus because you don't have a, a good grasp of your cash flow. So what I want you to do before you even go through this process, again, number one, automation. Try to set it up automated, automatically if you can. And number two, what you can do is you can map out exactly where all your money's going so that you can identify the surplus that you're supposed to have. That would also be a great time to identify uh, areas where maybe you know the wheels have come off a little bit and you can, you can reel it in, whether it's just excessive spending in a particular category, whether it's some subscriptions you forgot to cancel, whatever it might be. This is a great opportunity for you to um, review that and just dial everything in. Once you do that in, in a perfect world, right? Uh, there should be a surplus. If there's not, then that's another podcast for another day, right? Or maybe you should grab the Side Hustle Bootcamp Unshameless Plug, right? There should definitely be a surplus there, all right? And so when you identify what that surplus is, now you want to give it a very intentional place to go. You don't, you don't want to give it like, oh, well, that's what's left over. Let me put it, move it to this account, right? You want to give it a very specific purpose. Now I want to walk you through what are the ways that you can organize your money. And again, take the concept, how you decide to name it, how you decide to do it is up to you. The goal is for you to create a plan that makes sense for you. All right, so what is the first account? The first account is very self-explanatory, your bill account, right? And you wanna predefine what are my past commitments, right? What are all the things that I've already signed my name to the dotted line to that no matter what happens this month, I have to have the money for, right? Those are things like rent, mortgage, uh, car payment, car insurance, uh, HOA dues, all those things where you've already previously committed, right? We call those our past commitments. Um, we'll also affectionately call this our 30-day money. Why? Because 30 days in advance, it might be smart to know where your money's coming from to pay that rent, right? Where your money's coming from to pay that car note. So we'll call that the 30-day money. And you want to define exactly how much needs to go in that account. Now, what the only difference uh, than how you're probably doing it right now is most people have one, maybe two accounts, and they have one account that you just kind of spend out of everything, Right. The problem with that, and you'll understand this as I start to break this down, is it gives you this disillusion idea about how much you all actually have, right? Because it's like, oh, well, you just look at your account and you're basing your, your cash flow decisions based upon what's in the account at that time. If that's how you do your budgeting, if that's how you manage your cash flow, then rest assured, you're always going to fall short, right? You should be basing your decisions based upon what should be in that account at that time based upon the transactions that I'm expecting to hit my account at that time. Not just like, oh, well, right now, today, <laughs> there's $2,600 in there. So that means I'm Gucci. And then you look up on Tuesday and then pinned in charge looking at you dead in the face like, you forgot about me, right? So we don't want none of that, right? So the key to this system is you are clearly delineating exactly how much is supposed to be in an account because it gives you an easier way to gauge if you're on pace or if you're on track, right? So your bill account, past commitments, your 30-day money. That's account number one, right? Account number two, that is your variable spending account, okay? Uh, we call that your seven-day money or your present choices. And this is where you have the opportunity for the most 
uh, gain or growth or opportunity, or it's the account where the wheels could come off the furthest. Why? Because it's variable. You know how much your rent's going to be. You know how much your mortgage is going to be. You know how much your car payment's going to be. That stuff isn't changing, right? But for the variable expenses, how much money you spend on eating out, how much money you decide to shop, how much money you spend on entertainment, those things can fluctuate and vary every month. And so what we're effectively doing is creating a 21st century envelope system, right? Because I, I suspect that in 2020, going into 2021, most of my podcast listeners aren't going to be walking around with five envelopes of cash saying, hey, look, this is my money for blah, 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 right? So we're doing this, we're organizing your money in these separate accounts so you can have kind of that same experience, but in a 21st century way, right? Of course, it's not going to be as black and white as cash because once that cash runs out of the envelope, you know, I literally have nothing left, but it gives you that same context, especially if you if you are uh, monitoring what's in the account, right? So you're seven day money or your present choice account. Uh, again, I like to call it my variable expenses. Why? Simply put, because they vary. What's up, guys? Welcome to another segment of Fix Your Finances Friday, where each and every Friday we help you fix at least one thing as it pertains to your finances. And this one's an easy one. It's in alignment with what we just talked about. Automate your financial system, right? Don't rely on yourself to make manual transfers to your savings account. Don't rely on yourself to um, try to remember when you're going to make contributions to your investment account. Automate everything you can automate to the extent of what's possible. Same thing for your bills, right? You don't have to worry about a late fee. If you have bills that you can automate, you might not be able to automate everything, but automate what you can, because that's also one less decision and one less thing you have to remember. So what I want you to do after listening to this episode is identify at least one bill or one savings or investment uh, allocation or transfer that you can automate so that you never have to worry about it happening. And it happens like clockwork every time. Those are the the main two accounts. Some of you guys might already have those two, right? If you do, pat yourself on the back. I would give you a round of applause, but again, I'm not in my home studio. I took this show on the road, right? And so I can't give you the special sound effects. Maybe my podcast editor can layer in some round of applause for you. But right now, we just got to keep it going, right? But give yourself a pat on the back if you already have those two accounts, right? Let's talk about the next ones. The next account you want to have, and this is the one where people typically... Uh, make sure they give it a, a name that's relevant to them, but emergency reserves, right? And this is an account where, you know, you expect to have to use the money. You just don't know when, you don't know how much it's going to cost and what it's going to be, right? And so a lot of people might think that this is their emergency fund, but I'll explain to you in a few minutes why there's a difference. So your emergency reserves is, hey, you know what? At some point throughout this year, I know I'm going to have to get new tires, at some point throughout this year, I know that, you know, my daughter's going to have to uh, go to the doctor's office, right? I, the, all these things that you know are going to happen, you just might not know exactly how much they're going to cost at all times. Sometimes you might, like, for example, let's say there's an expense you pay for like once a year, like your vehicle taxes. Like, you know how much that's going to cost, but you don't have it coming from the bill account because 
the bill account is for your bills that revolve every 30 days, right? So maybe those annual expenses that you can predict, um, things like that, that can also come from this account. And the reason why this account is so helpful is because it effectively acts as a buffer account, right? Because at the end of the day, like I said, we don't know exactly how much these things are going to cost or when they're going to happen, if you're going to get a flat tire, if you're going to get in a car accident. We don't know. But we do know something is going to happen at some point. And the biggest pushback I used to get before people started working with me is, well, you know why it's so hard to budget, right? It's because something always comes up. And my immediate response was, well, why don't you always plan for it, right? What you want to do is you want to turn your emergencies into inconveniences, right? We're all happy. And I can tell you right now, if I were driving and I got a flat tire, there's not a bone in my body that's going to be happy about that, right? I'd be frustrated, might bump the steering wheel, might even say a little swear word. Hopefully my mom's not listening to this podcast because she still thinks she can tell me what to do even though I'm 33, um, but yeah, I would be noticed, notably frustrated, but my frustration wouldn't be like, oh my gosh, this is coming out of nowhere. How am I going to pay for this? Like rent's not getting paid this month. It's not that type of frustration. It's just like an unpleasant, like this is not ideal. Right. And it's, a, and I can easily just whip out the credit card or the debit card and make it happen. And I'm not robbing Peter to pay Paul. Right. And so you want to turn your emergencies into inconveniences because we've all seen the stats, right? 76% of Americans are living check to check, right? Um, The same or roughly the same percent couldn't come up with $200 or $500 for an emergency, right? So that means that about three out of four people who are listening to this episode, that's you, right? And so we want to put you in position to where that's not as much of a challenge. And again, if it's a Sometimes budgeting is a finite exercise. You know, I've talked about that. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a guy who really is all about, um, you know, being able to focus on the infinite, right? You have finite and then you have infinite. Finite are, you know, are, are, is budgeting, right? There's only so much you can cut down with your budget. It's defense. You got to do it, but there's only so much of it you can do. Like, for example, let's ask ourselves the question, how low could I cut my budget, right? I probably could cut my budget to zero, technically, right? I could go home, but I'm a, I'd be a 33-year-old man. Living at mom, mom's house, bumming off the couch, wife looking at me crazy. Um, no, no car, right? Or I have to have a paid off hoopty. Um, so I could, I could cut it to zero. You know, eat mom's cooking. Um, but that's all I could do. And then what kind of lifestyle is, is that, right? So budgeting, you know, and I do that extreme example just to say, no matter how far you cut, you can only cut so far. So we don't want to focus all our energy on just cutting, right? Because if living check to check or not having. Uh, the money to take care of these things is not a byproduct of you organizing your money. It's a byproduct of, you know, there's just not enough clay to mold. Then again, maybe we need to look at, you know, improving our financial situation through income, which is an infinite opportunity, like, you know, having a side hustle or something like that. Right. Um, and so just being mindful and having that awareness, because I don't want you to go into this thinking like it's a penny pension exercise. Right. You do want to budget. You do want to, you know, make sure that you're not doing anything excessive but not so much where you're like in the house in the summer with the AC off, right? Um, or those people who like, you know, I saw I saw this one thing, this one lady, I don't even know how this is a saving money thing, but she was like cooking lasagna in the in the uh, dishwasher. Like I don't even, I, I don't even know how, right? Like if I can find the link to that, I'll add it, into, add it to the show notes just so you guys can see how ridiculous it is. But like some people go to the extreme. I'm not asking you to do that. I'm just asking you to put yourself in a position to where ideally, 
your emergencies can become inconveniences. And the way you do that is by planning ahead. If you have the ability to plan ahead by allocating a small percentage towards this emergency reserves buffer account, right? That's the third account. Now, the fourth one is the one that everybody's familiar with, but they probably don't use it the way it's supposed to be used, right? And that is your emergency fund. The emergency fund is, you know, your job calls you up and says, hey, hey, Mike, man, you've you've really been an asset to the company. Um, but from where we're at today, it looks like we're, we're kind of headed in this direction. And I think your journey kind of stops here or whatever direction that you decide to go in. But we don't believe that they're in the same direction anymore. Right. That's how a passive aggressive a person might fire you. I don't know if you saw my tweet the other day. Um, but the only thing passive aggressive about me is my income. It's both passive and aggressive. Anywho, um, so, you know, in those situations, that's what an emergency fund is for. An emergency fund is for, all right, I am not going to get that paycheck in two weeks. So I can't call up the rent, uh, the leasing office. I can't call up uh, the mortgage company and say, hey, the check's not coming. Right. I can't say that. So what am I going to do? Right. I have to have a place that can continue to have my expenses covered in the event of an income loss. Right. If you're an entrepreneur, that is a capital reserves account. So when you are thinking about all the money that you have coming into your account each month and the revenue, you need to have money allocated for. Well, what if my business just like doesn't do well for a period of time? How am I still going to keep the lights on? Right. But for my my working professionals, uh, it's a uh, emergency fund account. Right. So where you can have six months, 12 months worth of your living expenses. Now, if you are a savvy investor or working with the financial advisor, it might behoove you to keep, let's just say three, maybe you know, maybe six months of money in that account, and then try to invest the rest. Because the reality is, if you're if you can pick a risk tolerance profile that's in alignment with the the risk uh, scenario that you would need to be able to access that cash you know, relatively quickly, right? But still allow it to grow probably faster than if it was just sitting in your bank account, right? So there's there's ways to do it. But if you want to keep it simple, just make sure you have some place that's close to or equivalent to cash or moderately invested uh, that you can tap into if you were to lose your primary income, all right? Because the last thing you want to have to worry about when you're trying to find a new job is how you're going to put food on the table, right? So that's what your emergency fund is supposed to be for, right? Not your 401k is an emergency fund. It's not. Liquidating your 401k is not an emergency fund. Now, there are extreme situations where you might feel like that's your only resort, but the goal is to put yourself in a position to where it's not. An emergency fund is not to be used as uh, uh, just a placeholder savings account, right? Well, I didn't have enough money to buy this couch, so I guess I'm gonna get it from the emergency fund. No, emergency fund is exclusively for poop hit the fan, all right? And you no longer are receiving your income and you gotta keep paying these bills, all right? Now, what are, so let's do a quick recap before I talk about this last account, main account. We, there's, there's some other ones, but let's talk about uh, the ones we've addressed so far. So you have your bill account, which is your 30-day money for all your fixed expenses. You have your variable account, which is your seven-day money for all your present choices. 
You have your emergency reserves account, which is for the unplanned, non-revolving, maybe expected, maybe unexpected expenses, right? Then you have emergency fund, all right? Emergency fund, which is if you lose your job, you about to lose your job. <laughs> I could never hear that and not think of that song now. Uh, it's crazy how they were like playing that on the white, literally the White House steps uh, after election. Now, we again, we don't know. If it's all wrapped up, we hopefully hopefully so, but I just think that's super hilarious. Um, and then last but not least, uh, you have your major expense account. All right. So your major expense account is let's just say with your variable expenses, you predetermined that I got about a couple hundred dollars a month that if I want to just spend it on some shopping or whatever, I'm entitled to that. Like it's in the budget, right? Like it's okay. Right. Or you have like a hair budget or just something that's like, OK, like you can do this every month if you wanted to. Right. I said hair budget because like my wife has to have one because she spends a lot of money on hair, like a lot, a lot. Um, but whatever your thing is. Right. That is what's factored into your variable expense budget. But let's just say, you know, in 2021, you're going to need a new computer. Like I'm actually in the market for a new computer right now. Now mine's business expense. So technically I wouldn't be, I'm not pulling from my major expense account. I'm pulling from my business capital reserves, but let's just say you are planning a family vacation, right? In 2021, you can predetermine how much you're going to spend on that. Let's say that, you know, you are trying to buy a house in, in, a, in a few years, right? Maybe you're putting that money away in the, in the major expense account. Let's say that, you know, you need new furniture or home renovations, just anything that's like bigger than a just a everyday shopping budget, right? That you got to kind of put some money away for. Because again, what happens is when you don't have this money segregated, you're led to believe that you can do more. God forbid that you are willing to put everything on the credit card without verifying that you have the funds elsewhere, right? But even if you're not doing that, you're, you would likely be disillusioned because the money's not organized. So you think that you have more than you do, especially if it's just all kind of sitting in the savings account. And then when you start to kind of delineate it for what it's supposed to be worth or what it's supposed to be for rather then it's like, oh my gosh, like I thought I had more. Well, you didn't because it was supposed to all be set up for separate things. So the good thing about the major expense account is what you have available to allocate towards that account, that should dictate the major expenses that you make for that year. Right. So when you look at how all the money has to be allocated elsewhere, you don't have any ambiguity about what you can afford. Right. You, your mind might be saying might be saying Dubai, but your wallet might be saying Myrtle Beach. Right. So you use that as a gauge to determine what's actually reasonable. And I think where people go wrong is they don't have that gauge. And so it's just like, oh, well, I think the money's there. I don't see why it wouldn't be there, you know, based upon what I'm seeing. And then they get to spend it and forget about these ancillary expenses and things that they have not strategically accounted for. And then wonder why it always feels like there's not enough. There is enough. You just have to allocate it and then spend accordingly with your budget to this day. Right. To this day, man, I feel like I'm a walking jukebox. Like I remember like all these socially uh, conscious moments that happened. I can just recall them in the in, in, in the middle of the podcast. Y'all remember DeAndre Wilder when he was like in the reporter's face? He's like, to this day. That's what I thought about. So anyways, but to this day, right? We just went out to eat. I'm just like, I'm like $100 for this, $40 for this. Because I'm so used to having the budget more more dialed in. And this eating out, you just realize it's just such a waste of money most of the time, right? Um, and so I'll say that to say that it doesn't matter how much you make or how big you get. 
If your lifestyle evolves all the time with your increase in income, you'll always be in the same position financially. You'll never be able to, quote unquote, get ahead or get out of the rat race. And so you want to really use this account organization process as a way to have a checks and balance system for yourself so that you can use that as a mechanism to make more sound decisions. You know, a lot of people are looking for alternate ways to make additional income, whether that's so that they can pay off their debt so that they can, you know, travel more or so that they can you know, save and invest more. They're just looking for ways to make more money. And sometimes, you know, getting another job isn't the answer. Maybe sometimes your business is you know, doing exactly what it can do right now, but you're just looking for that ideal way to make some significant extra income. And so I've tried out a lot of different things. And over the years, I've figured out some things that have worked really, really well. And I wanted to make sure that you guys had access to those resources. So I put together what I call the Side Hustle Boot Camp. And in this boot camp, I'm going to tr- show you four tried and true ways. One that I absolutely love um, that will show you how to put more money in your pocket. I'm talking not hundreds, but thousands upon thousands of dollars that you can use um, to benefit you, right? Whether whatever the goal is, whether you want to travel more, whether you want to put some more money in the bank, whether you want to invest more, save more, um, do something nice for your kids or for your significant other, the side hustle boot camp is going to show you how to do that. So if you haven't already, click the link in the show notes, check it out. I'm telling you, you do not want to miss out on this opportunity. This information can, can completely transform your financial situation. So check it out. I'll see you on the inside. I've made it extremely affordable so that there's no excuse and no buried entry. See you soon. All right. Now, another way to look at uh, what I said, you know, in a more like bucketed, like high level fashion. Again, if, if you just look at your present choices, your past commitments and then your future bucket, The future bucket can kind of be like split up however you want to split it up, right? Future bucket can account for retirement accounts. It can account for your major expenses. It can be account for, it can account for anything that you are planning to spend money on in the future. Now, that way, if you decide not to take my exact model, then you know, at least at a minimum, if I have my to my, my now bucket, right, which is like my seven-day money, my 30-day commitment bucket, which is my fixed expenses, and then my future bucket, which is for any and everything that I can plan down the road, you can create your own system and your own plan to make sure you really have a handle of those finances, right? Because if we if 2020 taught us nothing else, is that life can be incredibly unpredictable. And there's so many people that got displaced this year, Um, you know, and just didn't know what they were going to do financially. And hopefully that's not any of my listeners. But if it is um, or whether it was or it wasn't, I know that 2020 was a wake up call for everyone, especially if you know someone who got displaced. You're like, man, well, I'm glad I didn't. But if I did, I would have been, you know, one paycheck away from that situation, too. So, again, guys, it's all about being strategic. Um, There's a psychology to saving I don't care what title you give the account. Some people might call it my peace of mind fund, right? Meaning that, hey, look, this money here is giving me peace of mind that if something happens to my job, I'll be okay. Uh, some people might call it my FU money fund, right? So the day they can walk out on their job, whatever you decide to call it. I think it's very valuable because here's the, here's the part that I didn't say. 
aside from the organization, when you give it an intended purpose, right, you're more likely to not rob from yourself, right? Because that money is already spent, if you will, for that particular goal, right? So if you have a, this is my Dubai 2021 fund, it's going to be a little harder to rob yourself, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I.e. not staying disciplined in the other areas versus if it was just savings account 04715, right? No purpose. So it seems simple, might seem silly, but there's a, some psychology tied to the fact of giving everything an intentional purpose. The same way all the other transactions have for your account, because then you don't have to do anything, right? That's how your mind is already trained. It's like, oh, well, that money's spent for the Dubai 2020 trip, or that money's spent for um, early retirement, like whatever, whatever you want to call it, right? It's going to be a lot harder to dip into that account if you know the, the 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 wheels may have come off in another area, you're gonna find a way to be more disciplined. The same way, once you stroke the check for the rent, the mortgage, the car payment, you can't get it back. It's gone, right? So one of the things I like to say is find a way to struggle for your goals, right? Find a way to struggle for your goals. The same way you find a way to, no matter what, that rent, that mortgage, that car payment, that whatever gets paid like clockwork. So find a way to show up for yourself for the things that actually benefit you, right? I saw this uh, alarming, um, but very eye-opening uh, stat the other day, or more so approach. Uh, one of uh, another financial educator in the industry, uh, she was having a conversation with one of her, her coaching clients. And one of the things she said was, after they did the math, so it looks like you're working um, to basically pay 70% of your money to someone else. And that was really powerful. Right. They can really make you evaluate things. So you're spending 40 plus hours a week. Right. And then you do the math on how much money is going out to rent, car payment, whoever else you owe. Right. Your debts and liabilities. How much of the money that you're spending all these hours on? Who is it going to? Right. And if you've listened to my podcast before, you know, the one thing I always say is the value of anything is the amount of life you're willing, willing to trade for and so I think we all have to take that introspective look after, especially after such a tumultuous year and just say, man, how can I build my life in a way and use my finances as fuel, might I add, but build my life in a way that allows me to own more of my time, right? Or to be able to allocate more of my resources that I am working hard for um, to go towards the things that will give me more freedom, more fulfillment, and more happiness, right? Those are those are questions that I would I would encourage you to ask yourself. They're questions that I ask myself, right? Because being that I'm a, a multi passionate entrepreneur, there's a lot of a lot of different hats that I wear frequently. And while I'm incredibly um, blessed and um, appreciative of the vision that has been sold in my heart, it is always also a constant reminder that at the end of the day, um, life is meant to be lived, and it's not meant to be this vicious loop of ambition, right? And so, you know, we have to really evaluate what we're doing so that the things we are doing, we are super excited about, super passionate about, but also gives us the space to enjoy what we're doing. And that's a question that I can honestly say, I ask myself all the time and I'm working tirelessly to make sure that I am uh, living by example, because I think a lot of people make the mistake uh, of being so ambitious and focusing so much more on achievement that we don't give ourselves the grace and space to just live our life, right? I think I was texting one of my friends the other day who was actually said something similar. And then I was like, 
2021 George. And they were like, them, are you available? Me, nah. Them, what you got going on? Me, absolutely nothing, right? <laughs> like the key is not to fill the new space with something else, right? It's to give yourself the space to hear your own thoughts, right? Uh, one of my other favorite quotes is, uh, you're truly the root of all disease comes from being disconnected with oneself, right? If you break down the word disease, it's what? Dis-ease, right? And when you don't have the time to connect with yourself, you don't even have the time to understand what's going on with you, right? And so all the stuff that we just talked about was very, very tactical, but I want to bring it back home by saying the purpose of us doing that is to create a money game plan that allows us to do more of what we want to do, not just to have those dollars go back out to prop up or support a lifestyle that we don't even want anymore, right? And so be willing to ask yourself the tough questions. What am I willing to trade for my freedom? What am I willing to trade for my peace of mind? What is it going to cost me to keep doing the things that I'm doing indefinitely? These are obviously things you can't unpack and unravel overnight. But if you don't start to ask yourself the questions now, then it's going to be incredibly more challenging to ever change it down the road. Because you're going to acquire more lifestyle. You're going to get married if you're not married already. You're going to have kids if you don't have kids already. And then it just becomes that much more difficult. So so as you organize your money, also use this as a time to layer on the qualitative element of personal finance. Right. The quantitative is the dollars and cents. How much went in, how much went out. The qualitative is value based. Right. Does this spending align with what I say I value? I said that I say that I value peace of mind. I say that I value being able to travel. I say that I value right run the gamut of whatever those things are and then go back and look at how money's being spent, how money's being invested, how money's being saved and do do the two align. Because if they don't, then you got to really ask yourself, what am I doing here? Right? And we'll kind of end on that note, right? I want you guys to really take an introspective look. You have a little over 6 weeks, I believe. Um, before the, the year is out as of this uh, podcast recording. Um, so use this time to do everything you can to not wait till 2021 to start setting things up the right way, but to lean into um, your best your best life now, right? So that as you get into 2021, you're already having momentum for that better version of yourself and that better version of your life, right? Again, I want to be super honest with you, it's not going to happen overnight. So your best bet is to start now, right? As I'm recording this podcast, I am thinking of ways to give myself more free time and more space. So guys, start now because it ain't going to happen overnight. And especially if your decisions are tied to your finances, right? Which is why financial freedom is so, is so important because guess what? When you have financial freedom, you can just do what you want at all times, right? And so that's the purpose of all this. I don't ever got want you guys to get, which is why I'm never super tactical on the podcast, like all the time. I know that you guys find those episodes valuable, but the, the goal here is to really paint the concept of what you want most out of life and how can we use that as fuel, which is why the intro is what it is, right? Money is like gas on a road trip. That's why I chose that intro. I wanted every episode to just be a, another moniker or beacon for you to do, figure out how can I define my North Star and how do I simply use the financial resources to help me get there, right? And that's that's the reason why why the show is designed the way it's designed. So thank you so much for tuning in. 
Um, I'm going to go back to uh, my little Asheville retreat, um, get a few few more things done before the night's over with, but wanted to make sure that I tapped in with you guys and got this podcast episode done, and I hope you found it valuable. Um, if you did, of course, as I always ask, please go ahead and hop over to iTunes and leave me a quick review um, and a rating. Uh, also, maybe share the podcast episode with a friend. As a matter of fact, before we hop off, let me go ahead and keep the tradition going. I almost forgot because you guys know I do it in the beginning of the podcast now. But let me go ahead and read off one of our recent reviews. It better be some new ones, right? Because all I'm asking y'all to pay with is your ears. And I'm, and I'm hoping that you guys can do me a solid and give me a review. Is it sleazy to, to ask for reviews like that? I don't know. But I'm, gonna buy, I'm about to read off uh, one of our latest reviews. Hi, George. All right, this review comes from Miss Edwards Charlotte. Gave us a five-star review. Enjoyed the transition advice. Hi, George. I enjoyed the advice around setting up your exit plan and the fact that if you did it before, then you can do it again. These are great tidbits for my business. Thanks so much, Miss Edwards. Really appreciate the review. And if you want to be like Miss Edwards, you can leave a review too. Thanks so much for tuning in, guys. Until next week. Thank you for tuning in to an episode of the Uncensored Show. Take at least one thing you heard today and apply it to your life immediately so that you can become one step closer to living a more meaningful and fulfilling life and aligning your resources to what matters most to you. Remember, money is just a resource to fuel your journey. The question is, what's yours?